0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the complete H.P. Lovecraft podcast. Tonight's story will be Polaris. So please, sit yourself down in a chair by the fire, relax, and do try to keep the baleful screaming to a minimum. Into the north window of my chamber glows the pole star with uncanny light. All through the long hellish hours of blackness it shines there, and in the autumn of the year when the winds from the north curse and whine and the red-leaved trees of the swamp mutter things to one another in the small hours of the morning under the horned waning moon, I sit by the casement and watch that star. Down from the heights reels the glittering Cassiopeia as the hours wear on, while Charles's wane lumbers up from behind the vapour-soaked swamp trees that sway in the night wind. Just before dawn Arcturus winks ruddily from above the cemetery on the low hillock, and Coma Berenice shimmers weirdly afar off in the mysterious east. But still the pole star leers down from the same place in the black vault, winking hideously like an insane watching eye which strives to convey some strange message yet recalls nothing save that it once had a message to convey. Sometimes, when it is cloudy, I can sleep. Well, do I remember the night of the great aurora, when over the swamp played the shocking conversations of the demon light. After the beams came clouds, and then I slept. And it was under a horned waning moon that I saw the city for the first time. Still and somnolent did it lie on a strange plateau in a hollow betwixt strange peaks. Of ghastly marble were its walls and its towers, its columns, domes and pavements. In the marble streets were marble pillars, the upper parts of which were carven into the images of grave-bearded men. The air was warm and stirred not, and overhead, scarce ten degrees from the zenith, glowed that watching pole star long did i gaze on the city but the day came not when the red aldebaran which blinked low in the sky but never set had crawled a quarter of the way around the horizon i saw light and motion in the houses and the streets forms strangely robed but of once noble and familiar walked abroad And under the horned waning moon, men talked wisdom in a tongue which I understood, though it was unlike any language I had ever known. And when the red alderbaron had crawled more than halfway around the horizon, there were again darkness and silence. When I awaked, I was not as I had been. Upon my memory was graven the vision of the city, and within my soul had arisen another and vaguer recollection of whose nature I was not then certain. Thereafter, on the cloudy nights when I could sleep, I saw the city often, sometimes under that horned waning moon, and sometimes under the hot yellow rays of a sun which did not set, but which wheeled low around the horizon, and on the clear nights the pole star leered as never before. Gradually... I came to wonder what might be my place in that city on the strange plateau betwixt strange peaks. At first, content to view the scene as an all-observant uncorporeal presence, I now desired to define my relation to it, and to speak my mind amongst the grave men who conversed each day in the public squares. I said to myself, this is no dream, for by what means can I prove the greater reality of that other life in the house of stone and brick south of the sinister swamp in the cemetery on the low hillock, where the pole star peers into my north window each night. One night, as I listened to the discourse in the large square containing many statues, I felt a change, and perceived that I had at last a bodily form. Nor was I a stranger in the streets of Olotho, which lies on the plateau of Sarkis, betwixt the peaks of Norton, and Kadaphonek. It was my friend Alos who spoke, and his speech was one that pleased my soul, for it was the speech of a true man and patriot. That night had the news come of Dikos's fall, and of the advance of the Inutos, squat hellish yellow fiends who five years ago had appeared out of the unknown west, to ravage the confines of our kingdom, and finally to besiege our towns, Having taken the fortified places at the foot of the mountains, their way now lay open to the plateau, unless every citizen could resist with the strength of ten men. For the squat creatures were mighty in the arts of war, and knew not the scruples of honour which held back our tall, grey-eyed men of Lomar from ruthless conquest. Alos, my friend, was commander of all the forces on the plateau, and in him lay the last hope of our country. On this occasion, he spoke of the perils to be faced, and exhorted the men of Olotho, bravest of the Lomarians, to sustain the traditions of their ancestors, who, when forced to move southward from Zobna before the advance of the great ice sheet, even as our descendants must some day flee from the land of Lomar, valiantly and victoriously swept aside the hairy, long-armed, cannibal Nothkays that stood in their way. To me... Allos denied a warrior's past, for I was feeble and given to strange faintings when subjected to stress and hardships. But my eyes were the keenest in the city, despite the long hours I gave each day to the study of the panoptic manuscripts and the wisdom of the Zobnarian fathers. So my friend, desiring not to do me to inaction, rewarded me with that duty which was second to nothing in importance. To the watchtower of Thapnon he sent me, there to serve as the eyes of our army. Should the Inutos attempt to gain the citadel by the narrow pass behind the peak Norton, and thereby surprise the garrison, I was to give the signal of fire which would warn the waiting soldiers and save the town from immediate disaster. Alone I mounted the tower, for every man of stout body was needed in the passes below, my brain was sore, dazed with excitement and fatigue, for I had not slept in many days. Yet was my purpose firm, for I loved my native land of Lomar, and the marble city of Olotho that lies betwixt the peaks of Norton and Cadiphonek. But as I stood in the tower's topmost chamber, I beheld the horned, waning moon, red and sinister, quivering through the vapours that hovered over the distant valley of banoff and through an opening in the roof glittered the pale pole star fluttering as if alive and leering like a fiend and tempter methought its spirit whispered evil counsel soothing me to traitorous somnolence with a damnable rhythmical promise which i repeated over and over Slumber, watcher, till the spheres six and twenty thousand years have revolved and I return to the spot where now I burn. Other stars anon shall rise to the axis of the skies, stars that soothe and stars that bless with a sweet forgetfulness. Only when my round is over shall the past disturb thy door. Vainly did I struggle with my drowsiness, seeking to connect these strange words with some lore of the skies which I had learnt from the panoptic manuscripts. My head, heavy and reeling, drooped to my breast, and when next I looked up, it was in a dream, with the pole star grinning at me through a window from over the horrible swaying trees of a dream swamp. And I am still dreaming. In my shame and despair, I sometimes scream frantically, begging the dream creatures around me to waken me, ere the Inutos steal up the pass behind the peak Norton and take the citadel by surprise. But these creatures are demons, for they laugh at me and tell me I am not dreaming. They mock me whilst I sleep and whilst the squat yellow foe may be creeping silently upon us. I have failed in my duty, And betrayed the marble city of Olotho. I have proven false to Alos, my friend and commander. But still, these shadows of my dream deride me. They say there is no land of Lomar, save in my nocturnal imaginings. That in those realms where the pole star shines high and red, Aldebaran crawls low around the horizon, there has been naught save ice and snow for thousands of years. And never a man save squat yellow creatures blighted by the cold, whom they call Eskimo. And as I writhe in my guilty agony, frantic to save the city whose peril every moment grows, and vainly striving to shake off this unnatural dream of a house of stone and brick south of a sinister swamp and a cemetery on a low hillock, the pole star, evil and monstrous, leers down from the black vault winking hideously like an insane watching eye which strives to convey some strange message yet recalls nothing save that it once had a message to convey. That brings us to the end of tonight's story. We hope you enjoyed it and that you certainly don't have any nightmares. Do join us next week when our story will come from beyond the wall of sleep. Good evening.